On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got to have Nathan Hirsch back on the podcast, formerly from Outsource School, actually still from Outsource School, <laughs> and uh, now uh, with this awesome new startup helping e-commerce brands with their bookkeeping, e-com balance. Really great conversation all around some of the pitfalls that they see when they go and look at people's profit and loss statements. You guys know I'm really big uh, on the financial side these days. I'm trying to make these uh, really big decisions and helping you guys really be able to make decisions based on real time data. And I think it's incredibly important, especially as you scale your company up in the eight figure range and beyond, it just gets incredibly important. And if you are going to stay on a CEO, uh, it is one of your primary responsibilities. So guys, you're not going to want to miss this episode. There was some real gold in here. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows, and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly, and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month, and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence. But now that the Facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns, where do we go? Retention. But it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templates flows and copy and pasted campaigns, which we've seen all the time. It requires actually having a system that increases the LTV of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandon cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team, and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients, and hopefully how you can too. Go to Mindful Market co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. All one word. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I have back on the podcast Nathan Hirsch from this time Ecom Balance. Uh, Nathan, welcome back to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back. It's, it's always good to catch up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've been following along uh, what you're up to, and I think this is going to be incredibly relevant for our audience. You know, the people who listen to this podcast are sort of mid-seven to eight-figure e-com store owners, mostly in the Shopify space, though a lot of people are, are migrating over to Amazon during, uh, you know, 2022, trying to hedge their bets uh, on a bit of stuff. So I think this is going to be incredibly relevant. For people who don't know anything about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I was a longtime e-commerce seller. I, I got in early 2008, 2009 uh, with my business partner, Connor, who I met in college. We sold about $25 million on Amazon over a six, seven year period. These were the, the wild, wild west days where you could do anything. And we were doing a, a lot of drop shipping, dealing with retailers and also manufacturers. And I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall that Amazon was getting more competitive. They were cracking down on drop shippers. And we, we, had, we had scaled this business with a virtual assistant team, mostly 
really because we were 20. It was really tough hiring US people. College kids were not reliable. So over time, we had learned about virtual assistants and used that to scale our business out of necessity. So we started renting out these virtual assistants to other Amazon sellers as all these Amazon communities started to pop up. And we kind of spun that into a separate business called Free Up, uh, like Free Up Your Time. It was the, the whole idea yeah. where people would come to us saying, hey, I need an Amazon lister, an Amazon customer service rep, a Shopify builder, whatever it is. And we would recruit all this talent and, and have a network of reliable people that, that we would back up. So this business grew. It, it kind of took off. It surpassed our Amazon sales. We we did a, a million dollars in the first year, five in the second, nine in the third, and, and 12 in the fourth before we were acquired uh, by one of our customers, actually, which is a whole nother story. We, we can get into it if you want. But after we, we went through that acquisition process, which was about six months, the pandemic hit, <laughs> which we didn't see coming. We, we thought that we would take a, a few months off, but we were kind of stuck at home. So we built this hot, this uh, platform called Outsource School to teach other people our hiring process. And a lot of people liked it. We kind of saw it as a something to bridge the gap and eat up time while we figured out our, our next adventure. And we still run Outsource School. We have a, a great community there. But two years of brainstorming, trying to figure out what, what's our next business, what's the next market we want to get into, we really targeted on the, the bookkeeping space for, for mm. a variety of reasons. Bookkeeping is something we learned later on as entrepreneurs was very important. The, the way we did bookkeeping and free up was way different than the way we did it with our Amazon business. And we can talk more about that. But yeah, we just set out to build the, the best e-commerce uh, bookkeeping service out there, not just for e-commerce sellers, but e-commerce coaches and agencies and software companies. Um, um, and really help people understand their books and make good decisions based on their numbers every single month. So my new venture is Ecom Balance. And right now we kind of focus our time between Outsource School and Ecom Balance. So that's a short version of, of going from an Amazon seller to a free app to Outsource School to Ecom Balance. Awesome, Nathan. I, I got lots and lots of questions for you. And I got a couple of statements too. So uh, I was a member, or I, th I think I actually still am a member in Outsource School, and it has been invaluable for anybody who, and Nathan came on and talked about this, so you guys can search back. I forget what episode number it was, somewhere in the hundreds in there. But it has been absolutely uh, invaluable for us and our team when working with VAs. We work with lots of VAs, and uh, as well for me getting on podcasts. I was using your uh, your method to get on podcasts, and it was like, I was telling you before, I think it was something like around 100 in 180 days. Getting on the podcast that was absolutely no problem at all. It was just having the time to be able to do it. So I just wanted to say thanks for creating these processes that actually work. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was a lot of fun building Outsource School and kind of seeing a lot of people who had struggled hiring virtual assistants kind of use our step-by-step -step process and all of a sudden have a lot of success. And I mean, it's the same process we're, we're using to build Econ Balance. I mean, we're hiring US people too, but anyone on the Philippines, we, we go through the same process. So it's something that applies to, to any business you start going forward. If you don't know how to hire, you're, you're going to struggle. So you might as well learn it early. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we're, we're slowly moving some of our workforce over to the Philippines because of the reliability. That's more so for us. Like the cost is fairly negligible when you really factor in a lot of different things. But for us, it's the reliability of having uh, employees over there. Let's talk bookkeeping now. I'm super excited about this venture um, that you're doing because I think for a long time before we've got a controller in all of our e-commerce companies now, a shared controller that we use that's, you know, full-time resource to us. But before that, bookkeeping was a absolutely huge headache. Where did you see the need in the marketplace? 
So I can tell you how we, we did it with our Amazon business, which is the wrong way. We wouldn't do any bookkeeping throughout the year. We wait till the end of the year. We'd put everything together, all our credit card statements yeah, and stuff. Shoebox. Send it to our accountant. <laughs> he would bill us a lot, do it all. He wouldn't actually um, put it in a way that we could understand it. He would just put it together in a way to be able to file the right taxes. And he's fantastic, but we couldn't actually make decisions in real time based on those numbers. So when we started free up, we, we said, okay, that, that's obviously the wrong way. Let's not do that again. We set up a bookkeeper for, from day one. Even when we weren't making money, the month would end within 10 days of the month being over. We'd get a report. We'd go through it together and we'd make decisions based on numbers in real time. And yes. that's how we set up free up every single month that helped us make good decisions that helped us reduce overhead or hire people or invest in marketing or whatever it was. And not only was it not stressful when tax seasons came because we always had up-to-date books, but when we went to sell free up, we had immaculate books going back four years all the way to day one. Everything that we told them on phone calls matched exactly what was in the books because we really ran our numbers. And that's what helped us pass due diligence and sell a company. And I think Connor and I have always had an interest in finances, whether it's personal finances, investing or business finances. And even if you're investing in stocks, you want to be able to, to read the income statements and the balance sheets of businesses that, that you're investing in. So that's always been a passion of ours. And we obviously love the e-commerce space, right? That's where we spent the past 10 years. So what we did was we reached out to about 200 e-commerce sellers we knew, and we just interviewed them about bookkeeping, who they were using, who the top players in the space was, what good and bad experiences do they have? How could their bookkeepers improve in the perfect world? What tools do they use? And we learned a ton and we realized there is a huge need. I mean, it's a massive market. It checks a lot of boxes from a business side, whether it's stickiness or reoccurring revenue or whatever it is. Yeah. But also a lot of people just weren't happy with the solutions out there. And a lot of bookkeepers out there weren't really scalable. They'd be the, the freelancer who could handle 10 clients, or they'd be that referral from a friend who didn't really understand e-commerce and, and wasn't doing it 100% the right way. So we saw a massive need there. And we've, we've spent the last 150 days kind of building a team, building processes, getting beta clients. We're kind of at the point now where we can turn on the, the marketing switch a, a little bit. But that I wish I could tell you it was an idea that just clicked after we sold free up. But it was about two years of meeting at coffee shops and brainstorming every bad idea imaginable before coming up with this. Honestly, when I saw it, Nathan, I was like, brilliant. I'm like, I have been thinking about how this is such a massive need. One of my business partners in one of our uh, e-com companies runs a, and he was actually just on the podcast as well, um, chatting about financing and that sort of stuff. And he runs a fractional CFO company for e-commerce brands. And so I, I should actually introduce you guys after. I think that'd be a, a great intro, Matt Putra. And and so I saw that that high level need for the, the fractional CFO who's actually giving advice and all of that sort of stuff. But then I, I saw that massive gap in the middle where it's like, well, so previously to having a controller, we would get our books back, our P&Ls back about a month and a half after, generally. And honestly, with all of the companies that I've ever run, that's generally like, if I can get it within the month, amazing. Generally, it's about a month and a half and I'm getting my books. Well, great. How can I make any decisions based on data that was from a month and a half ago? That to me is probably one of the biggest issues is that time lag and data. So then I'm trying everything I can to actually get the right data to make the right decisions, the right hiring decisions, the right marketing decisions, all of these decisions that we need to make on the fly that we actually need updated books for. How are you guys solving that? And how are you guys getting to be better than the average bookkeeper? 
Yeah. So uh, among many of the questions we asked people was like, what bothers you about your current bookkeeper or, or what's your ideal time frame? And like you said, you, you kind of need it within that 10, 15, 15 day period after the month yeah. ends. I mean, usually the first five days are kind of unrealistic outside of your control. You're waiting for, for Amazon and banks and credit cards to kind of finish the month before. So you can't even get all the data you need. Um, but then they want to have a bookkeeper that has the right processes where, Hey, the bank gets you everything. Let's hit the ground running. And right now we tell, people, hey, we, we bill you on the first of the month, you get your books by the 15th of the month. But to us, that's an overestimate. Like we want to get you the books between the, the 7th and the 12th, depending on what banks you use and, and all that. And, and obviously we're in beta and we want to get faster and more efficient as we go as well. So I think that's the, the perfect goal. If you can get your books within 10 days of the month being over, and, and we did that with FreeUp, we did that with Astro School, we do that now with our internal books at Econ Balance. Uh, today's the 10th. I just got the monthly report today from uh, February. We're filming this on March 10th. So so that's kind of the system you want to be in. And then the first thing we do when we get the report if we, is we have a meeting and we go through it line item by line item. And what I like to do is, and this obviously only works if you have a business that's been around for years, but we, we compare it to the previous month and then we compare it to the same month last year. And that usually gives you a good awesome. framework of what's going on, good or bad in your company. Yeah, that's exactly what I like to see. I always like to see like, okay, where are we at seasonality wise comparatively to last year? Because in all e-com companies, they all have seasonality, right? Unless, and if you've got one that doesn't have seasonality, then please contact me, Jordan West, and I will purchase your company because I would love an e-com company without seasonality. That would be incredible. When you're looking, when, you know, when you're going in, especially as you guys have started up and you're probably going in and looking at a lot of books, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing other bookkeepers making or just other companies in general on their P&L and balance sheets? So one of the most common ones, and this kind of separates e-commerce bookkeepers from not, is a lot of people will take the net that, let's say you're selling on Amazon or it applies for Shopify or Walmart or whatever, but whatever they deposit into your bank account, that goes on the top line of the P&L, when really you want to be seeing everything, what you've actually sold, what the fees are, um, and then what the actual net is. So that's the most common mistake. I mean, I can't tell you how many sellers where we just have to redo the past year because their previous bookkeeper just put their income wrong uh, across the board. The, the next thing is cost of goods. And there's a bunch of different ways to do this. Um, we have people who have their own cost of goods processes where they can, they'll they just give us the numbers and we input them. You can do cost of goods averaging, uh, which is where kind of accrual basis, which is another big mistake. E-commerce sellers doing cash base instead of accrual. If you buy $60,000 worth of inventory in January, and that's for the next four months, you don't want to have a $60,000 uh, expense in January. You want to average that out over four months. You can actually see what, what that is. And when you sell a business too, uh, you for an e-commerce business, you want your books to be in accrual. You're, you're cutting yourself yeah. short. You're not going to be able to sell it for as much. You know this um, if you're doing a cash basis. And it also doesn't reflect how the business is actually doing. Can and, I just and, say, and, I just want to, yeah. Nathan, I'm sorry, I just want to step in for a sec. So we're, you know, in the acquisition space, we're, you know, always looking at different companies. The amount of books that we look at that are in cash, I'm like, do you guys realize what you're doing being in cash? Like people will be like, oh, I didn't make any money last year. Like, yeah, you did. If you would have turned this inventory into an asset, right? Like that to me is like number one. If your bookkeeper has you running on a cash basis, run, right? Like, I, I mean, talk to your accountant too. Obviously your accountant should be- If you're an e-commerce right? business. Yeah, There's, if you're an e-commerce business. Yes, yes. And, which I'm assuming the people listening are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, like, you know, people who are listening to this are generally in that sort of seven and eight figure range. So they probably have gone beyond that, but there's a lot of accidental entrepreneurs too, who just aren't good at their books. So sorry, Nathan, continue on. I just wanted to get, get a little word in there for a sec. 
No, it's extremely important. And I mean, I could go on on and on, but one more is just segmentation. Like you might have four different SKUs, but you're really only making money on one of them. And you need to be able to know that because you're investing a lot of time and energy on the others. Same thing if you're selling on on different marketplaces, whether it's Shopify, Amazon, or Amazon UK, Amazon Japan, whatever it is, you want to be able to break it down. That 80-20 rule applies. You want to make sure that you're focusing your most time in places that are making you the most money. And a lot of people don't understand that. They don't really understand the profitability of their company, but also the profitability of the different parts of their business. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what happens when you guys start with a client? What does that onboarding process kind of look like? Because I know that's that's one thing you know that I think of every time I switch service providers. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to go through the onboarding ramp up sort of phase. <laughs> what does that look like with you guys? Yeah, so we've revamped this a bunch of times in the past few months because I'm a process guy. So we used our beta clients and they, they were so nice, so generous, kind of bearing with us as we um, try to figure stuff out. And, and this is kind of the process we have down right now. So right on econbalance.com, you click a button, you fill out a form. It takes about seven minutes, gets us the information that we need to be able to give you a quote. And the quote is based on two things. One is any kind of catch up or cleanup work. You might only want us to start this year going forward. We have clients who come to us that want us to redo the past three years of books. Um, So it just depends on what that looks like. And then whatever your monthly fee is going forward. Remember, we charge you on the first of the month, you get your books by the 15th. So assuming that you uh, agree to that price, the next step is you add a payment method on file. We charge you for any cleanup work. If there is any, if not, you would just get billed on the next month. And then we send you a connections document, which is essentially what we need. Any documents we need, anything we need connected to QuickBooks or Zero, which are the two tools that, that we're used to, um, or, and uh, any kind of view-only access we need so that down the line, we don't have to ping you for every little thing. And if you need help setting all that up, we have a team member who will help you do it. It sounds a lot worse than it is, but it is access that we need. And then once we get that, we have a kickoff call where we go through your business top to bottom, and then we hit the ground running. So that's the most efficient way that, that we've kind of figured out so far is get us the information we need for a quote, get us the connections we need, and let's have a kickoff call to get on the same page, and then we can really get rolling. I love it. I love it. I I mean, it sounds great. I'm sure even from this, hopefully you guys are taking some clients on because I feel like this is a massive pain point for a lot a lot of businesses out there. Nathan, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Man, my secret to scaling is getting the the right people in the right spots. I mean, we kind of did this already. We have a a six-person bookkeeping team and we've been shuffling people around as we kind of realize what their strengths are. So I mentioned these three different parts, right? We have a a bookkeeper who focused on pricing. Every time we get a new quote, their job is to make pricing as efficient, as clear as possible to clients. We have another person who specializes on that integration. How do we get the information we need without overwhelming the clients and making it as easy as possible for them? And then we have a different person for the kickoff. We have a different person that's in charge of cleaning up books and we have different people that are in charge of monthly books. So, and it's not even on the bookkeeping team. We have someone who's in charge of recruitment, who's spending 40 hours a week recruiting people and in charge mm. of marketing tasks. And, and obviously Connor, my business partner and I dividing conquer. And we, it's easy to think that, you know, where everyone fits when you hire a bunch of people, but you really don't. And you're kind of making tweaks as you go and figuring out what people like, what people hate. You want to put people in a position where they love what they do, because then they're going to go all out. They're going to go above and beyond and you're going to get the most out of that particular role. Nathan, you and Connor have been business partners for a long time. Have you made it last? (laughs) So Connor was actually my first employee that I hired in college. He Facebook messaged me one day. He was in my business law class and he said, Hey, I don't know what you do, but I'm looking for a job. And I just hired him on the spot without interviewing him. And then on his first day of work, he said, by the way, I don't have a car. Can you come pick me up? And for some reason I did. (laughs) 
and those car rides ended up being the best because we would just talk about e-commerce when I'd pick them up and drop them off and being an entrepreneur. And I eventually made him my partner. And I think that the per- the great thing about Connor, and now he lives like 10 minutes away from me, but we're exact opposites. Like, I, I don't think we could be more different people, but we have the, the same values. We we care about customer mm. service. We care about treating people right. We we own up when, when we mess up, like we all mess up. We're human. We own up for it. We don't blame other people or, or dodge responsibility. And there's a lot of just core business things that, that we agree on. And then we're, we're ready to, to dive and conquer, like he's, or divide and conquer. He's one of the, the best marketers um, I've ever met. You won't find him in like the ClickFunnels group posting and bragging, but he's very, very good. And he's kind of behind the scenes. I go on podcasts and I'm the face, but I'm really also the process person. I'm moving mm. people around. I'm figuring out what's step one, what's step two, what's step three. So we complement each other very well. We also spend a good amount of time reflecting and, and giving each other honest feedback about what we like and don't like about each other, which I think is something that that's tough. I mean, it, it's easy to be business partners when things are going very well. You find out if you're good business partners when things are not going <laughs> when well. Things when things are going bad. Can, exactly. Whether you can keep yeah. working with this person. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to, I just want to go back to one point uh, that Nathan made, because I think it's incredibly important. So I work with a lot of friends and family in the different businesses that we have. Generally, I actually try and bring friends on for different things. People are always like, I don't work with friends. I don't work with family. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's maybe you. I agree. I don't work with people who don't share the same values as me, right? And I think that that's incredibly important. Working with somebody with the same kind of personality as you can actually be a little bit annoying, to be honest, right? You're like, no, no, that's me. So I love finding those opposites. We love Clifton strengths and everything that we do. So we really find where people fit, especially within our leadership teams. Uh, all of our leadership teams, we don't have a single overlapping Clifton strengths, which is insane. I don't know how it how it works or how we found each other, but it's really that those aligned values that I think matter the most. Um, and if your values aren't aligned, then get out, right? Because that is something that is very, very difficult to change. It takes years years to really change what you actually value, the principles that you actually value. So I just wanted to say that was that was some profound stuff that you were saying in there, Nathan. And keep in mind, you can have the same values in terms of like treating people right, but still have a completely different idea of where you want the business to be in five or 10 years. And that usually doesn't work out either. Like if Connor's trying to take this thing public and I'm trying to turn it into a lifestyle business, which I'm not, but if that was the case, that just doesn't work. You guys are going to clash. Yes. Different decisions have to be made. So you want to make sure not only are you the same values um, from like an ethical and business perspective, but you also want the same things for the business. And that can also change and evolve over time. Awesome. Nathan, I got three questions for you here. I hope that you are ready. Let's do it. First question is favorite tool or app that you're using right now? So the new tool that we just spent 30 days kind of testing and doing demos is uh, ClickUp. And we're actually in the process of transitioning all our clients over to it internally uh, to help organize because every single client's in a different stage in their bookkeeping, if they have cleanup or monthly or, or software to integrate or whatever it is. So that that's kind of a, a new thing that we've taken on and our head bookkeepers um, recommended. Uh, LastPass is kind of the other tool when you're dealing with very sensitive info with a, yeah. a good amount of people and hopefully a growing amount of people as you build a team. That's just a, a no-brainer to, to have and, and protect yourself and protect your clients. Awesome. Awesome. Both of those great softwares. Second one, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? <laughs> so so I have a, a routine going right now. When I, when I work out, I'm always listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, that's my awesome. go-to. When I'm walking the dogs, I listen to the Motley Fool stock podcast because I'm, I'm big into investing in stocks. So that's kind of my, my go-to there. Um, then I'll always have an audio book I'm, I'm listening to. Uh, Tools of Titans is probably my, my favorite one. I forget if you asked that what was my favorite book. But podcast, it's uh, great. Tim Ferriss and the Motley Fool are, are my two. 
Sweet. Uh, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, they have to be alive. You can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine. Um, can't be Elon. Uh, but anybody else is fair game. Who would it be? So, so during the the free out days, I feel like I was bothering a, a lot of influencers, and a lot of them were were nice enough to hang out with me or have me on a podcast or whatever it was. But one of them that I could never get and never spend quality time with was uh, Ezra Firestone. So hopefully, I blow up Econ Balance, and then Ezra will will hang out with me or invite me on a show or, or whatever it is. But yeah, definitely have a lot of respect for what he's done. Yeah, yeah, great, seriously, great guy, awesome. Okay, well that. That, uh, that was great, Nathan. Really appreciate you chatting about uh, Ecom Balance. Where can people find out more about you and then potentially work with you guys? Yeah, so my, me, any social media channel, Nathan Hirsch, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, feel free to connect with me. I always love just talking to other entrepreneurs and uh, so feel free to reach out. And then yeah, go to EcomBalance.com if you want to check out my hiring process, OutsourceSchool.com. Um, if you're interested in Ecom Balance, like I said, you can get a quote right on the site, give us a little bit of information and uh, we're, we're looking forward to increasing our client base and then helping more e-commerce sellers. Love it. Thank you so much again, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.